We now repair to Beaker Street. The festival only just ended. And Dr Margot Adler, who is largely responsible. Ah, the bells singing your praises in the background. I don't know if you can just hear them. We're in the most remarkable hotel, Headless Hotel, and I think I'm in the room that Errol Flynn used to occupy. <laughs> Did you know that, Margot? I did not know that, but I'm so pleased. (laughs) And the thing about Errol Flynn and so many associations in this town is Errol Flynn's dad was a zoologist and a professor of paleontology and studied fossils and so on and was exploring the regions around Hobart and Errol Flynn grew up helping him, which is rather nice. But when did you come to Beaker Street? Well, I was doing my PhD in evolutionary biology at UNSW, and I was organizing weekly what we called the wine club. (laughs) And it was PhD students and postdocs getting together. And I introduced a component called the Big Ideas and Pretty Pictures talk series. It was really a response to what I found to be boring, ineffective presentation styles. It's just become the norm at conferences and in academia to get up, show people a whole bunch of really dry slides, lots of data, and people don't really walk away with anything, you know, if they can even stay awake through it. And I thought, let's change that. Let's just get up, show us some nice pictures, no data, and just talk to me about some big ideas that is going to start a conversation. And it was really effective, and I decided that what I wanted to do was open a science bar. So we'd come down to Hobart 2014 or so, looked around. There was a pub for sale, this amazing old pub, and we tried to buy it and um, did not get it. But by that point, I'd put so much into the idea. I just knew that Hobart was the right place to do something like this. Moved down, and I started Beaker Street. Is there a Beaker Street? You know, there is apparently an Antarctica Amazingly enough. Actually, Beaker Street is named after Bleecker Street, which is in my hometown of New York City. And it's a bit of a play on that. I see. You experimented very nicely around town because it's not just one venue. Okay, the TMAG, as they call it, the Tasmanian Art Gallery and Museum, is a scientific hub. And the advantage in Hobart is everything's so close, you just walk around. And then as you go along the waterfront. There are all these laboratories, tremendous ones. In fact, you've got science just looking at you. Did that help inspire things? Oh, absolutely. You know, Hobart has more scientists per capita than any other Australian city. And the science here is just so visible. Like you say, you know, you're on the waterfront. You have IMAS, the Institute for Marine and Antarctic Science. You have the CSIRO. You've got the investigator parked here regularly. And now the new... That's the big ship. Yeah, exactly. The big ship and the new Noyina as well. Um, The big Antarctic icebreaker, the new one. So we get to see science just so vividly all the time. And it just blows my mind. I mean, you meet somebody here at the supermarket and you say, oh, what do you do? And they're a scientist. You just meet the most incredible people here. So it's really an inspiring place. And everyone has a connection to science here. And even if they don't necessarily think of it as being scientific, people are so connected to nature here, to the auroras and the water. And, you know, that's all scientific, of course. And so I'm really just trying to highlight that, that there's science in everything. Quite interesting because we used to have an organisation called ANZAS, the Australia and New Zealand Association for the Advancement of Science. And I was president in, I think it was Brisbane a long time ago. (laughs) And it was a bit of a worry because it would spend 10 years going around the country. And so you were 10 years without. (laughs) And when we came to Hobart, it was always absolutely tremendous. 
But we were warning people that they had to get their own local act together because otherwise the big city syndrome, you know, Sydney's just too big for that sort of thing. And that's where Anzas died after 109 years. Hardly anyone turned up and they did it the same old way and nobody knew much about it. And so the visibility of science was diminished. Okay, there are a few superstars who do tours, but connected to everyday science... You don't just have the superstars, do you? No, and you know, I think that the most important component of what Beaker Street is doing is connecting people with each other. Members of the public with scientists, we're connecting scientists from different disciplines with each other, and we're connecting scientists with artists as well, which is a big component of what we do. We facilitate collaborations between scientists and artists. And we're really trying to find a different and a new way to present science to the public because I think there's such an idea, and it's gotten much worse in the last decade or so, that scientists are somehow elite, that they're inaccessible. You know, I really bristle when a scientist gets put on a stage, gives a talk, and then disappears as if the public isn't worthy of actually speaking with them. And so for us, all of our talks are, we see them as conversation starters. We're just trying to get the ideas out there. And then we invite the public to the bar with the scientist and they have a chat. And you know, it's not just good for the public, it's good for the scientist. They often get introduced to some completely new ideas, things that someone in their field would never come up with. And I think that's really, really important. Let me give you an example, not just artists, but cooks. Yesterday, you were there with me and umpteen others, just enough, for a very long table, which was covered in an old tree, (laughs) vast log, and huge amounts of material from the seashore. And some of it was actually your first course, if you could sort it out, you know, amongst the shells. And the guest of honour, Tim Flannery, he was talking to Sam, who is a local who is involved with seaweed feeding cattle to reduce methane. And the interesting thing I found is also at the table was a dairy farmer who is using the technique, experimenting with it. So here you've got a paleontologist, a seaweed person and a farmer, umpteen other people from business and here and there. How did you manage to put all those people together? <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing lunch. Yeah, so that was Sam Elsom from Seaforest yesterday. And when Tim Flannery said yes to coming down to Beaker Street this year, I knew we had to invite Sam to something because Sam Elsom started Seaforest because he was inspired by Tim Flannery. And so, you know, a talk that Tim had given about seaweed and climate change inspired him to start a seaweed farm. And that was such a great story, the spark of that lunch. Then we got Vince Trim from Mona, Mona's head chef involved, and he just took it to the next level, creating this incredible edible table display and this whole... Based on seaweed. Exactly. A full seaweed-inspired lunch. It was really, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in terms of eating. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to that? So I had a hit list of people I wanted to invite. I mean, there were also tickets available. And so it was half people that this just really appealed to and half people that I said, hey, I think you'd be interesting to come to this. And yeah, people were really generous. You know, everyone was so authentic there. There was such great conversation. Conversations. People were just being really open. That's the sort of thing that I really like to facilitate, just an atmosphere where people feel like I can ask questions, I can contribute to this conversation. Yeah, and having that dairy farmer, Richard, there talking about how he's now, as we speak, experimenting with the seaweed, with his cattle, his dairy farm, 
and the results he's getting and how it's being looked after. You know, this is science in progress. It was great to have that perspective there because you've got the product, but then you're actually seeing somebody using it and talking about how that works. And, you know, it's not just science in a vacuum, right? This is real world application. So that's yeah. really interesting. We also had the contras, you know, does it really work? Some of the skeptics, we were having discussions quietly about how much seaweed, how the seaweed can be delivered as oil or as something made by pharmaceutical companies. You know, there's all sorts of what-if questions being asked. It's not just a puff situation. It's a critical feast, thinking about thinking and how you can deal with this complex world. What are your plans now, Margot? <laughs> well, next weekend we've got our Nocturna Dark Sky Retreat on the East Coast, which that's another thing that's great about Tasmania for doing something like this. We have some of the darkest skies in the inhabited world. So on the East Coast, you can go up there and it's just unreal looking up at the sky and I mean I grew up in New York City if you could see two stars at night it was an event and so here you know just this tapestry of stars up on the east coast so we're really celebrating that and also trying to raise awareness about light pollution light pollution is one of the few human created problems that we can change and we can reverse really quickly and quite cheaply so it's a great cause for people to get behind uh, did you know, um, my final point, I like playing did you know games, Grote Reba, strange name, came here from the States and set up his apparatus, which is still there on the campus of the University of Tasmania in Sandy Bay. And he helped invent radio astronomy from that base. And there is equipment is still there. You know, I didn't know that. But did you know the meaning of the word Grote, G-R-O-A-T? Is it something you get caught in your teeth? Yeah, it's like a leftover bit of food. <laughs> <laughs> a leftover bit of knowledge. But uh, from Errol Flint, Grote Reba and many others, thank you very much for Beaker Street and look forward to next year. Thanks for coming, Robin. Dr. Margot Adler in Hobart, City of Science. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.